are my friends, the Ultimate OD Podcast. Very good episode for you today. We are going to make ourselves better. We have five things that you can focus on to grow your practice. We're having a little office talk, my life hacks to work on my practice. Closing thought of the episode. This is the Ultimate OD Podcast. Here we go. Welcome to Optometry, the ultimate OD podcast, building better doctors one episode at a time. Here's your host, optometrist and practice owner, Dr. Nick Lilly. All right, my friends, the ultimate OD podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for the emails, the likes. Please keep the collaboration coming. I think we all get better the more we communicate. That being said, be on the lookout for our first Ultimate OD webinar mastermind group. Uh, It'll be a select few initially, but we are going to get together. We're going to have a topic that we go over and just collaborate, make our offices better. So be on the lookout for that. We'll have a sign up coming up in the next uh, few weeks here. Now, today the topic is growth. Okay. We all want to grow, we all want to be bigger. And that may look different to this cold start, may look different to the office that's been practicing for five years, for 12 years, 20 years, but we all want to get better. We all want to get bigger. And the thing that is the most annoying aspect of that is it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. It takes planning. And if you're not strategic about what you're doing, you're going to spend money on things that don't matter. You're not going to have the capital to do what you need to do. And also, you're not going to be ready for the opportunity that presents itself when you have a chance to to grow, okay? So what can you do if you can't grow tomorrow, the next day? What activities can you do to make yourself better? I'm going to hit five that I think are important that will make your office better, but also lay the groundwork for the bigger, better office that you want to have, Okay. Number one, what is the most important thing for an office to grow? Volume, okay? What produces the most revenue? How do you make money? Exams. You need people coming in for you to make money, for you to be profitable, for you to even consider growing, right? So the way I like to think about it is I want to have a dry eye clinic. I want to have a dry eye center, right? But how do you do that? In Inherently, we're not going to have people just knocking down your door initially saying, hey, I need to have dry eye, I want a dry eye evaluation and calling and doing that, right? Special lens contacts, myopia management, same thing. It's not going to be the first thing they see. Now, if you get a reputation, if you build that, yes, but right now, what I'm talking about, the point that you're at, no. So how do you build that dry eye clinic? How do you build that specialty? Have exams. You're going to screen your own patients and find out they have myopia, they have keratoconus, they have dry eye, and you're going to refer them to yourself. That's how you build the clinic, okay? Now, in order to do that, what do you need to do? Get more patients in your office, okay? In order to do that, you have to be able to handle those patients. In order to handle those patients, you need to have an infrastructure, okay? How do you handle you know, intake, how do you handle scheduling appointments? How easily can they access your office? Okay. Are you only able to schedule by calling? Are you only able to schedule by doing online? Can you text? The more 
avenues you have for the patient to reach out to you, the easier it is for them to get on your schedule, the easier it is for you to grow that specialty niche, okay? My experience says that roughly 16 to 18 comprehensives a day. I can, on, on my Mondays, I work nine to seven. I can see 21 comprehensives, okay? Now, if I did that every day, I would burn myself out. So 16 to 18 on a normal nine to five day is about what I say is average for comprehensives, okay? It's about two an hour, a few blocks of three. You can fit up a follow-up, a red-eye, special testing where needed, but you have to optimize the schedule to handle that. You have to optimize your staffing to handle that, okay? If you can't do that, how are you going to have a bigger office? How are you going to grow? How are you going to have multiple doctors, okay? This looks different for every practice. If you're highly medical, you tend to have more staff because more staff is going to help you be more efficient and turn and burn them, right? The medical offices I know that are really profitable are seeing like 40, 50 patients a day. You don't do that with a lot of, without a lot of good techs, okay? So know that. Now, if you're more optical-based, which is nothing wrong with that, I know it gets frowned upon, none of the, you know, review of optometry, none of the journals or blogs really likes, you know, primary care optometry with glasses and contacts, but it's the core and key of what you do. It's our foundation, right? You can still do all that other medical stuff, but that core and key is a big part. You're going to need less staff, right? Because you're handling primary care, you're not doing special testing, and then you'll just send them into optical and you can manage your optical efficiently with a couple different opticians, okay? So know what kind of office you want to go to, what kind of office you want to be, set the infrastructure now. You need to have a good foundation so when you do get bigger, you already have a roadmap of how you're going to handle things. And think it through. Like, I've already thought about how I'm going to handle my office when I add another doctor. Right now, my comprehensives that I see are on the hour and the 15 minute. Occasionally, I'll put one on the 30, you know, when I have that block of three. But the other doctor will be the opposite. So we'll have an hour, 15, 30, and 45. The other doctor will be on 30 and 45. So then we're not eating up rooms. My staff can still do the same thing. They're just a little more busy doing it. Okay, but again, I've set my schedule up for that. I know where I have blocks of three. We know how we schedule. We're very coordinated in that, and it flows really well. So manage your schedule to maximize the number of patients you can get in and not burn yourself out. Okay, number two, marketing. Yes, marketing. The majority of offices that I've seen for optometry do not market. A social media post is not marketing. Okay, a TikTok video, Instagram, that's not marketing. You know, SEO, Google Ads, LinkedIn, Facebook, there's display ads. These things attract people to your office. They work, okay? Now, branding is another thing that we'll talk about, but you need to be marketing, all right? They need to know who you are and what do you do, okay? Are you the dry eye person? Are you the myopia person? Are you primary care guy, family-oriented optical? I don't know what you do, but are you conveying that message and all that you do branding-wise? From your logo to the videos you make to the you know, blogs that you post, are you talking to the same audience? Are you giving the same message? Okay? 5 to 6% of your gross should be marketing. Now, if you're a million-dollar practice, do the math. It's a lot of money right? 
are you allotting enough money to marketing or are you just doing Facebook posts? Are you, you know, I don't even know what else to do. Do you go to like schools and talk to people? Marketing, where radio, print ads still work, being in the phone book. When they need to find you, can they? Right? I really think if you could only do one thing, SEO is the biggest thing. People are Googling and searching you. You need to optimize your website. You need to optimize your search. Okay? Now, brand awareness is a little different. Brand awareness is you making those posts on Facebook. You making those social media videos on YouTube. Those are important to build a brand, but that's not marketing. That's a long-term play. Those are evergreen. Well, the YouTube is evergreen that they'll find you later once you start building a niche, right? Facebook, I think you go with your main brand. If you're trying to do like myopia management, sclerals, dry eye, something like that, that's where I think YouTube is the way to go, blogging, okay? But that's not the initial marketing that you have to do. So if you can't do this, if you don't know what to do, there are tons of companies that will work with you, okay? Find someone that works with you, works with the budget that you're comfortable with, and they help you do what you need to do to be amazing, okay? Trust me, you invest in this, you'll be ahead of 99% of the other offices out there. Now, believe it or not, the corporate offices are doing this, all right? Corporate markets well. The private practices are the ones that are left behind. Find a way to optimize your marketing and then work on your brand, you know, if you find a good marketing company, they'll help you build that brand because you probably don't know what it is. You're trying to be everything to everyone. Hone it in. Be more concise. All right, so you got volume. You're increasing the patients coming in. Your marketing, they go hand in hand. Raise your fees. All right, we're trying to grow, right? What do you want to get rid of? The patients that don't provide you value. Okay, increase your fees. When you increase your fee, you know what happens? You increase your revenue. That also enhances your perceived value. The patients will judge you based on the things you charge for your time. All right. If I drink a $100 bottle of wine and a $5 bottle of wine, tests are done all the time. Blind taste tests, they put a label of the price tag on it. The people drinking the $100 bottle of wine think it tastes better. It's the same wine when they do the test. We assign value based on money. We do. Now you have to follow through with that and you're going to lose some patients. Some patients are going to be like, you're just too expensive for me. All right. I understand. There are other options in town, but this is what we charge because we provide a better service. Believe that. You and your staff need to know that what you do has value. And if people don't value you, they're not going to buy the better lenses. They're not going to do the specialty treatments. They're just trying to get in and out with whatever their insurance covers. That's fine. You're better off without them, but you need to be aware of that. You also have to live up to that enhanced value. One of my beliefs is, not this is recent to me, okay, because I used to be the lowest guy in town. But when I've enhanced my price, I've gotten a better quality patient who values what I do. They value their health, they value their eye care, and they will do the things necessary to keep their eyes healthy. Thus, I've built my practice. I have the OCT, the topographer, the IPL, tear care. All these things are able to be used because the patients want the better care and treatment. People are seeking me out because other offices don't have that. They're willing to pay what it takes to give them 
a solution to their problem. Have the solutions to their problems. That comes at a cost, but you're worth it. All right. The other thing I like when you're trying to grow, when you're setting that stage, is having that high-end offering. Whatever that may be. Now, you may be the optical that is the, you know, Gucci, Prada, Tiffany and company, all that high-end stuff. Fendi, have those brands and the unique eclectic taste. Make sure your community serves that, but people will seek you out if you have that. I like having the dry eye niche. It's not for everyone. The high-end treatments, like the IPL, tear care. Does it help everyone? Yes. Can everyone afford it? No. But the people that can't afford it, we have at-home therapies. We have the pharmaceuticals. We will still take care of you. We will still treat you. They still see improvement, but I have that high-end offering, right? That makes things, one, more fun for you, but two, now you're building a niche. You're building a way to set yourself apart. You're preparing yourself for growth. How are you going to be different from the guy down the street? How are you going to be different from corporate optometry? Those specialty clinics will set you apart. That's another thing that helps your brand grow, helps you be a better office. So find one of those and build it out. Don't shy away from the price. Show them how it helps solve their problems. All right. Now we're growing, right? We have volume. We're marketing it. We're raising our fees because we're worth it. We have a high-end offering, a high-end niche that no one else offers. See how you're setting yourself apart? Now, the last thing, we've added a bunch of things. We've added volume, marketing, all those things. Cut the inefficiencies. Okay, what does that mean? What can we get rid of? Insurances that suck. Number one, I cut Medicaid about a, six months to a year ago. Greatest decision that I've done. Okay, not that I don't like serving those patients, but my schedule was full and my revenue per exam was down. I've cut the Medicaid exams. Revenue's up. My schedule can now fill it with things that are more value, if you will. But the, those patients also... We're getting an exam for free and didn't show. Their no-show rate was the highest. They didn't value the high-end stuff. They just wanted what was covered. Okay? Hard to practice that way. Number two, remember when we raised our fees? What are you kind of doing? Cutting out the patients that don't value you, that don't want to buy the things that you're offering. That's fine. They have to go. For you to get where you want to be, you're going to have to get rid of some other patients. This is not you doing it on purpose. You're not like, get out of here. The market will dictate that. If they don't see value in what you offer, they're going to go somewhere else. Let them get better care than what you'll give them. But, you know, that's their their choice, their prerogative. So many times I've had people leave. They went to like an RX Optical or a corporate entity. And they're like, yep, we're back for a reason. We really didn't realize what you did and how it was better. Sometimes they have to test the waters to find out. But. Let them do that. Now, this is another thing. This is this is not always easy. When you're on this path to growth, invariably there's going to be a turning point where your culture is going to shift. It's going to change. What you were the past 10 years is not where you're going to be the next 10 years, right? Well, that being said, some of the staff, some of those legacy hires aren't going to want to shift and do the new stuff. 
They're not going to see the value of it. They don't want to go, going to go back to doing things the way it's always been done. That's not going to get you farther, man. That's not going to, that's not going to help you grow. Got to let them go. Have a talk, have a discussion, try to pull them along, but they're a sail or they're an anchor. They're going to help you get where you're going or they're going to hold you back. Get rid of the anchors. Also, there's things that you used to do. There's expenses that you used to have that don't fit your new regime. Okay, some of the frame lines that you have got to go. Some of the things that you used to invest in, like I I would do um, like ortho K for just now. I'm not talking myopia management, just ortho K on patients. They're few and far between. I do free consults. It was taking my time and energy for effort that wasn't really worth it to me. Not doing it anymore. Myopia management. I've cut it down to what I like to do and I charge what I want to get paid for it. Now, does that make me the most profitable myopia management person? When I do it, I make money, but it's not my passion, right? There's other people that can do it. I would refer them out to them, but if they really want to see me, they're going to pay what I think it's worth and I have my criteria set. Same thing with scleral lenses. Love doing it. I love it when it's VSP, IMED. I get paid that way. When it's medical or cash, if it's not worth it to me, for the time and effort and energy it takes to train my staff to be good at it, kind of cut it out or I charge what it's worth. So I've raised my fit fee on that. All right. By doing those things, I've set myself up for growth. I know where I'm going to be in the next two years. All the things I've done now are helping me get to that place. You guys are going to do the same thing. You have your own timeline. All right. Figure that out on your own. But I tell you this right now, even if you're not trying to have another doctor, or a bigger office to make your office more profitable, these five things will help you out. So listen to this. Come up with a game plan. Let me know what you're doing. I want to hear it. We'll have more for you next week. All right, my friends, a little office talk. So a question I often ask myself the past like 10 years of practice. I've been in practice since 2011. The past year and a half, two years, I've gotten a lot better at working on the office versus working in it. Now, one of my friends I was talking to, I'm like, yeah, I need to work on my office, not in it. I need to get more time away from, you know, the exam room. He's like, okay, what does that mean to you? And I kind of said, well, when I'm working on the office, like I want to focus on marketing. I want to focus on, uh, you know, my optical, my margins, the numbers of the practice, uh, culture, making my staff better, training. Those are the, those are the big things: marketing, numbers, culture, people. You know, making things more efficient. He's like, all right, that that makes sense. I can I can hear that as as working on your office. And so then I like I go back to some of my earlier series. I forget what numbers they are. We'll put it in the show notes. But my CEO mindset series was the groundwork that I kind of used to get to where I'm at now. And my office has grown tremendously. I have a lot of lot of things that have changed. But one of the biggest things that I will give advice to you on for working on your office is set time aside. You have to have time allotted every week. That's going to allow you to work on this. Now, this was hard for me to do. I tried to do it like Thursday mornings. So I didn't see anyone from 9 to 10. I get there at about 8.30. 
and invariably something would come up and a patient would come in, the staff would pull me away. I never got done what I wanted. It just, it just didn't work. All right. So two things that I've started doing one Fridays, I close at noon. I stay at the office until about three thirty, four o'clock and I work on the office. I have a game plan going in of what I want to do that day, what I want to accomplish and then I just work on that, okay? Also, on Sunday nights, my kids are young. They're still in kindergarten, young fives, and two of them aren't in school yet. So they go to bed around 7, 7.30. I put them down, and I go into the office at like 7.30, 8 o'clock, and I stay there for an hour and a half, two hours. And I get so much done that needs to be done before the week starts. It allows me to be more effective Monday mornings. I'm not losing time with my family and it's helping me start the week. It's nice because I look forward to that time. So often I just want time in the office without being distracted where I can get work done. Fridays are awesome, but at the end of the week, you know how you feel. Invariably, you have things you have planned for the weekend with the kids, etc. It's It takes effort, right? But Sunday nights, amazing. Like, the weekend's been done. I've spent time with my kids. I flipped the switch about 12 hours earlier than I would, you know, at 7 p.m. versus 7 a.m., and I start my work week. The little hack has made me that much better, all right? Things that I like to do, I like to look at the numbers. I read a lot. Sometimes I'll go into the office, and I'll have some journal articles I have set aside that I've been trying to get after. Read those. The nice thing I do when I do that is I do my... Uh, Blog posts, I do YouTube videos, I read the journal. So I read the journal, I make a blog post so I really understand it. I put in my words that I can understand. And then when I do the YouTube video, I now can explain to a patient. It's been very efficient and I've had numerous conversations with patients where I feel more comfortable, more effective as a doctor because I've prepared. I've had the conversation a couple of times and I can explain it in a way that they understand. So just little tips and tricks that I do to make myself better to help me work on the office, okay? The other thing that I've done that I have found very um, helpful and useful and help things grow is, remember, I'm trying to start this dry eye clinic. Every article I see with dry eye, every webinar, everything that comes into my inbox, lunch and learn, rep that offers something, if it's dry eye related, I say yes. You've seen that movie, Yes Man, where you just couldn't say no. When it comes to dry eye, that's what I am. And I've learned so much. I can talk the talk. I can walk the walk a little bit more now. When I listen to these things, it's all redundant. And like sometimes I'll be watching a webinar, i have the sound on. My wife will walk by and listen for about five, ten minutes and just kind of walk away. And then I'm like, hey, I, I'm saying the same things they are, aren't I? And she's like, yeah, you, you really are. It's funny how when you make a commitment to something and you ingrain or just um, drown yourself in that idea, that goal, how much it becomes you. So those are little things that you can do to work on your office. Little tips and tricks that I've done, I apply to my life that help me out. One, two, maybe all of them will help you out, but try them out. Let me know what you think. We'll have more for you next week. Where, oh, where has the time gone? We're to the closing thought of the episode. 
And today I will leave you with this. Whenever we're looking at starting something new, starting a new niche, starting a new practice, starting a business in general practice, if you want to start cold, if you're buying a practice, one of the things that I always try to do is look at the downside. Worst case scenario, you do this, what happens? You envision it, you prepare for it. Once you do that, if you can handle that downside, you're good to go. Nothing's going to be worse than that, and that's that's fine. Now, the funny thing that happens is when I look at the downside, I, I, I was a little naive to this initially, but now that I've been in practice for 12 years, hopefully this helps you out. If you're thinking about starting something, do you know what our downside is? It's a job that pays $150,000 a year, right? Like if you start a practice, if you start cold, if you buy a practice, if you try starting a something else and it doesn't work out, we are so employable. We can get a job anywhere, anytime, filling in, corporate entities. There are so many people looking for help. You are not going to go hungry. You have a hundred, a six-figure job just waiting for you, okay? Your biggest fears when it comes to that is more about how you'll be perceived by your, by your peers, by your colleagues, by your friends, by your family as a failure. And I'm going to tell you this right now, that's self-inflicted. You're a stinking doctor that can be hired on a whim and be making more than the majority of your family and friends could ever dream of. That's a blessing. Take the chance. Make the jump. Your downside is not that bad at all. That's what I have for you. Dr. Lily out. We want to thank you for listening to today's episode and hope that you found a pearl to apply to your practice. We believe as a community, there is much wisdom to be shared. So if you have questions, suggestions, or requests, we want to know. Feel free to reach out to us via social media and leave a comment or email us at theultimateodpodcast at gmail.com so we can make this podcast even better for you. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review, and we'll catch you again next week.